This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Soyuz Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Fakatani by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Sam, how's it going? It's going very well indeed. How goes it for you? Really well. I had um, a really good day of teaching today, I'm teaching a bunch of rangatahi, um, just doing a little bit of work uh, in the driver's licence space as a tutor for the learner licence. And um, I'm blown away by how incredibly clever these young people are. It's been a a cool couple of days, actually. That sounds marvellous. And who are we introducing today? It is my great pleasure today to introduce Rob England. Rob is a management consultant, coach, trainer and commentator based in Wellington. Um, He and his partner, Dr. Cherry Vu, um, they have a company together called Teal Unicorn, that transforms organisations to new ways of working and managing. So Rob fits in so well with all the people that we've interviewed. It is a great honour and privilege to have you with us today, Rob. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for that. Welcome. Hello. Kia ora, Rob. Where are you? I'm in um, Pororua at the moment, in just out of Welly, out of Wellington, at home. In, we, we live and work out of the house most of the time so we've been asking people how their bubble life was and now of course we have to wrap that up with explanations about which bubble so how was your Mm. first bubble life uh it's all been actually it's all been one contiguous bubble for us because we don't actually change (laughs) lifestyle significantly (laughs) in and out of bubbles other than we shop in different ways you know it's like (laughs) um uh Cherry was one of the last people back into New Zealand for the first lockdown. We used to commute regularly to Vietnam. We work in Vietnam and New Zealand. And um, so, yeah, she was came through empty airports on the way home, I think the day before lock, first lockdown. And so we had to pivot quite quickly to, oh, it looks like we're not going back to Vietnam in the near future. And... Um, so, and I was already a bit housebound because I, I was a bit sick. I had cancer at the time, which um, I'm fine now, but at the time I wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> and um, uh, so we kind of pivoted quickly to Zoom and training people and coaching and advising people in Vietnam through Zoom. And so it didn't take long to get up and running with that which has grown and grown and grown. So we kind of never leave the house anyway. We, we do all our work on Zoom and, and dream of the day when we can actually travel back to Vietnam. Um, and we used to travel a bit to conferences. We go to several conferences a year overseas and that's gone. But other than that, there's not, we're really just kind of, so lockdowns come and go, levels go up and down <laughs> and we just, we just keep chugging away. We, we haven't really changed our life with each one so how is the not commuting to vietnam how is the the delivering your 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 services remotely working very well uh i took a bit of convincing about training on zoom and coaching on zoom gosh um and then cherry uses messenger voice for one-on-one conversations so She's on Messenger for a few hours a day chatting to clients and then Zoom for larger groups. And, and I, I, I am very pleasantly surprised. I did not expect it to be... 
I've always I've always been really uh, I've always liked a real the physicality of being in a room with people. And when we run training courses, they're always emotionally charged, and and we always have a few sort of physical activities and and things like that. And we were very keen on immersive simulation games to teach people ways of working. So we had a, a game where they had to build little Lego diggers and there was a factory to make your listeners can't see that I'm holding <laughs> up one a sort of standard Lego kit for a digger. And they um I'd raise you one crab. Have to make, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they and they would have to make these diggers for a day and learn all about you know getting management out of the way and and fluidity of roles and you know a whole lot of stuff around new ways of working and 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 so that that was how i thought it was best to teach and and i loved that intensity of being in a room the high energy and the emotional connection and all those things and we do miss those but I was very skeptical, therefore, about how well it would work down a little tiny digital <laughs> pipe. But um, you adapt, and you, you know, you kind of learn to to work differently, and and it does seem to be nearly as good. So, are you doing simulation, immersive simulation games? In, in breakout rooms or something on, on Zoom? Are you, are you trying for the same yeah, kind no. of effect? No, we haven't yet even thought about simulation games, actually, online. Well, I have thought about it, but um, we've not achieved anything yet. So that is, I guess, the next big hurdle is is how do we do that? We keep dreaming that the borders are going to open again and we'll, and we'll just go back to Vietnam for it. And, and so we keep stalling, or I keep stalling and stalling on having to sort of invent something totally new for, for the online medium. But I'm kind of coming to terms with the fact that I guess I'm going to have to do that. Let's take the first of your music tracks. Let's have Buffalo Springfield. For what it's worth, why this one? Because um, the way it opens, because something's happening you know, and the the actual subject of the song is not, but it's just the words, the the feeling that something really serious is going on, and and can you sense it? Can you tell what's happening in the world? And so that for me resonates right now, even though it was written fifty years ago. Something happening here What it is ain't exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop, children What's that sound? Everybody look what's going down Being drawn Nobody's right If everybody's wrong Young people speak in their minds Are getting so much resistance From behind Time we stop Hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down day for the heat A thousand people in the street Singing songs and carrying signs Mostly say hooray for our side It's time we stop Hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going Tracks deep 
into your life it will creep it starts when you're always afraid step out of line the man come and take you away we better stop hey what's that sound everybody look what's going now stop hey what's that sound everybody look what's going you better stop now what's that sound everybody look Springfield, of course. The, I think this is in the era when Neil, Neil Young era. So um, a lot of so, people won't have heard of Buffalo Springfield, but they've heard of Neil Young. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rob, you have talked about new ways of of working. I think I was at a conference a few years ago where where you said something to the effect of, "If a company describes itself as agile with a capital A, then it's not agile with a little a." <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, maybe not exclusive, exclusive or it's um, more like um, Agile with a capital A is a very narrow view of the world, as in it's a software methodology, you know, and it's, well, not a methodology, but a software thinking. And, and the, the capital A Agile Manifesto talks very explicitly about software. So, um, yeah, when we were thinking about um, business agility, and agile at an organizational level, we we um, we realize that the word is being used as an umbrella term to embrace a hell of a lot more than just the principles of the agile manifesto, and that business agility is a is a much much bigger animal. So um, yeah, we did a we did a book the agile manager small a, the, you know small a for the ad, for the agile to distinguish, to say that when people talk about small A Agile, they're talking about what we call human systems adaptability. So they're talking about a lot more. They're talking about humanistics and, and, and values and cultural change and talking about systems thinking and flow. And they're talking about adaptability, which is agility and resilience. So it's a, a lot to ask for a poor little word. So really... Um, I'm almost sorry we put it in the name of the book, marketing thing, you know, agile, <laughs> such a hot word, you can't resist putting it on the cover of your book. But I almost regret that we hadn't just completely abandoned agile completely and, and used something else. We've, we've got another book in the works and it's called Open Management. I think open, if you must have a short word, I think open is a much more appropriate word than small a agile for what's going on. And, and something, you know, the thing that is happening around the world is an opening up, I, I believe. I feel like it's a, like a flower opening the way work is going. And so that would have been a better word. So, yes, when people slap capital A agile on things, I feel like that's misleading and narrow and, and distracting from what they're really talking about. If you dig into what they mean, they don't mean just the 12 principles, the agile manifesto. They mean a hell of a lot more. So, was it you said human systems adaptability? Hmm. Is but, that a that's a mindset or a set of? Is, is, you're talking about an approach rather than specific tools. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, even capital A agile is not a specific pattern. It's more a set of principles to guide one, right? And then you know something like Scrum is the is the strict set of rules to be agile, and there are several of those. Um, so in the same way, yeah, human, and, and it's our term, by the way, just because we went looking for, for another umbrella term other than agile that seemed to be a generally agreed one. And, and I don't think there is one. I'd welcome someone saying, no, 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 you can just call it blur and, and have a label that everyone agreed on. But I don't think, so we, we brewed one in the end. And so it's, a, it's describing, yes, a, a, a state of mind, a philosophy rather than anything specific. Um, and, and it's sort of three word clouds, really. If you unpack what's meant by human, there's all these things underneath that. And if you unpack what's meant by systems, there's all these things. And if you unpack adaptability, there's all this stuff under that. And so capital A Agile or even little a Agile fits under that adaptability part of it. But, you know, people are thinking about um, how workflows in networks rather than streams and, and you know what is co-creation and things you know so the whole systems thing and, 
complexity theory and chaos thinking. And, you know, there's all this stuff going on in that systems area. And, and at the human end, you've got um, uh, the whole return to values in work and embracing human values and social values and an advance of social values. I do, despite certain evidence around the world at the moment, I do think that society actually advances and, <laughs> and that we are moving forward with the occasional backward step. Um, so I think all of that is wrapped up in it. It's, it's uh, where did I, uh, I can never remember references off the cuff, sorry, but I was just reading yesterday about, oh yeah, the International International Future Foundation, IFF, um, talk about the second enlightenment. And I don't think that's an exaggeration. You know, I think that um, where we're going now, and it started with Buffalo Springfield, it started with the hippies and, and, and the post-war social movements, I think is, is as big a step change maybe as the original capital E enlightenment was. You know, it, it might be an exaggeration, but I can't think of any other step changes between then and now that, that are significant. And, and so th- that's our organisation, our brand, Teal Unicorn. Um, teal is a buzzword that has entered the lexicon a little bit. It floats around. You can get Teal Consultant and we're members of the Global Teal Network. And that comes, of course, from Lalu with his book, Reinventing Organisations. And he got, or he modified the colour spectrum from Spiral Dynamics which is Ken Wilber and Claire Graves and a bunch of philosophers in the 20th century. So all of that, you know, talking about new ways of working, his book was Reinventing Organisations. It was new ways of working. But if you go to the roots of it, the roots are deeply philosophical, social roots that go right back to new values or, or, you know, the whole spiral dynamics thing is the optimistic view that we do rise through social levels and we are actually progressing as a species. Um, and, and, and so teal is, you know, is somewhere between green and blue. And, and, and according to these philosophers, no, no one has yet achieved blue as an organization or a society. It's, it's this hypothetical level, but Lalu believes that some organizations are better than green. So they're teal. They're somewhere on the way to, to this newer level of consciousness, man. You know, it's all very <laughs> hippie stuff, but, but we love it. We love it. We think it, 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 it resonates for us as sounding like a correct description of the world. And it's got legs when you're applying it in a management or an organizational sense. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't say we lead with it because you, you know, you scare conservative people off. I'm, I'm, again, your listeners can't see, but I'm all hairy and long-haired and bushy, and, and I'm scary enough to management as it is without starting to spout <laughs> this '60s hippie nonsense. So, um, we 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 kind of a bit circumspect about going there with people until they're really rolling. Um, yeah. I mean, there are videos online that if they want to see me talking about this stuff, they can find out pretty quickly. But no, we we would lead with much more pragmatic down-to-earth things and just know in our heart that there's very solid, very deep foundations to what we're talking about. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokunui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mihara kia koutou kotahuahau. I hope you're all having the best day, people superstars and your beloved universes. I really hope wherever you are, whatever's in your range, this journey that we're on together is proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining, for you and who you are. Triumph of nature's art, perfect, and here is better. Thank you. Now I know that for all of us, for the last nearly two years, we've been dealing with a very difficult situation in the midst of a global pandemic together. This has affected all and is affecting us all. And it's so important that we find new ways to do BC fit, to care for ourselves and to each other, and to be kind as much as we can and compassionate as much as we can to ourselves and each other so that we can get through this together, which we will. And, of course, in terms of our history as a species and history of all life, there have always been changes come upon us and we've had to adapt, we've had to survive and that's why we're here. And this is the same 
And in this time, of course, we're having to do everything we can to protect each other, to be vaccinated so that we can move more freely and do the things that really feed us creatively and collectively as a community. And I know for myself as a musician, not being able to play shows and all these things, it's, it's very hard. And as an educator, not being able to have school groups come and visit me, it has been very hard. And as a communicator, wearing a mask, all these things, all these changes have been very hard. And I know they have been for everyone. And I think we've done so well navigating them and getting through them. And of course, we always will. That's what we do. So I really hope for you, you can see you have done so well, despite all these challenges. You've found new strategies. You've found ways to deal with things. It's also important that we acknowledge that everyone is doing their best and everyone wants to feel free to make their own way. And of course, at the moment, there's a, there's a strong push to be vaccinated and it's so important that we are all vaccinated but for those who are making up their their minds about being vaccinated it's important that they feel they've made up their own mind so I've had both of my vaccinations I was very lucky to be able to get them and I know for for those around me who I love that they've been able to get them and for those around me who I love who are still making up their mind all I can do is support them and lovingly speak from my own place of knowing and my own experience and make I statements and do my best to give them a sense of time, space and freedom to make up their own minds so important. And of course this is what we all want. We all want to feel that we've made decisions for ourselves. So I really hope for you, you're able to navigate this new reality in a way that is working for you and you're able to have the time and the space and the freedom to make the best and most nurturing distance for yourself and for everyone around you and that you're able to speak from your own experience and share your truth. It's been wonderful for me, of course, being part of this show and just that opportunity to share with you, these five minutes with you, has made a huge difference to me. So thank you all, thank you Sam and the whole Blowing Bubbles team. And I look forward to talking again soon. Thanks so much. Kakiti. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We're talking with Rob England. So the world, globally, and, and the people that make it up, the organisations they work in and the whole lot are currently in a, a period of massive disruption that some people would like to think is going to come back to a, a business as usual and most people think it's going to come back to something else. But what do you think that this sort of this, this human systems adaptability offers that disrupted world? But also perhaps the other way, what is the disruption telling you about how that human systems adaptability works? Yeah, uh, great question. Thank you. That's spot on. That's the world has shifted a lot as a result of recent disruption, and um, not just COVID, but a lot of stuff went down in the last five years. And and really, we, we've had this period of relative calm since the Second World War around the world. Even with my wife being Vietnamese, I mean. You know, on a global scale, things have actually been fairly steady for 70 years. And suddenly people are realizing that's not actually always the case. And that's not necessarily so. And suddenly we're in this very chaotic state. And the realization is that what got you here won't get you there, that we've evolved all these management practices and, and social thinking in this period of calm. And, and a lot of those models don't cope very well with a volatile world. And, and so um, that's driving the embrace of these ideas. The ideas themselves are not new. They're, you know, 100 years, 50 years old. Um, uh, you know, even complexity thinking's you know, what, 30 years old now. And yet it's all being surfaced and it's all being synthesized because people are trying to cope with, with uh, you know, this volatile, uncertain world. And, and it's... The, the ways of working that served them reasonably well to this point are, are suddenly looking shaky and struggling with 
look at how all the supply chains around the world collapse, you know, or, or so, yes, yeah, so many organizations that are struggling with remote working and lockdowns. And there is this idea that somehow there's a nostalgic normal that we're going to go back to, but I think that's pretty clearly not the case. Um, and it's interesting on LinkedIn to see all the people being flushed out who very clearly are still thinking in terms of simple linear patterns of behaving in a calm, predictable world. And they're all upset at the fact that suddenly there's no certainty and the government can't offer a 16 stage plan to take us through to the end of next year. And, you know, and, and it's kind of like you, you clearly just don't get it. And not only is that a nuisance for the government, but it's also, I would be greatly concerned as a shareholder in those organizations that they've got, you know, managers or, or some of them are owners of smaller businesses, things like that. They're in trouble personally because they're, they're still trying to think about the world in the old ways in conditions that, you know, as you sort of hinted, are never going back to, to those old ways. This volatility is, is with us for quite a while to come. At, at, at a minimum, you know, the, the political instability around the world, the rise of China and the arm wrestling that's going to start going on between China and the US and perhaps other players, you know, that kind of thing is, it, it, this is the new normal. And so things are going to get a little lumpy. And if we're not human about our people, and if we're not highly adaptive to constant change, I, I love the saying that change is no longer something that happens it's no longer uh, episodic it's not an event change is the state we're in this state of change you know and it's just a total constant immersion so it's not something that comes and goes that you have to cope with temporarily while it's happening it's just the state you're in permanently and that's part that's one of the many inversions that just completely flips how we think about work and and life you know so the term that that I think you use, and I've seen in other places, the VUCA, the, the volatile, mm. uncertain, complicated, ambiguous. As you say, that's, that's is it the opposite? or It's, it's certainly in, in conflict or in tension with the ways that we currently have of working or thinking about mm. management and organisations. Where, where do we start to, to turn that around? Mm. Um, by embracing it for a start. So it does mean that we need to flip a lot of our thinking. And, and our, our sort of focus at Teal Unicorn is that we believe that you can't change how you work until you change how you manage the work. And so we need new ways of management to enable new ways of working. And, and that's often where organizations fail. They tell everybody to work differently, but management doesn't change at all and governments change at all. So everybody has to think in different ways from you know, the workers to the governors. And, and so it's starting with exploring that because that people don't do that overnight. You've got to start exploring that, that new ways of thinking and, and sort of experimenting with these things to, to assimilate them. Because there's some big, big pills to swallow, like the idea that the future is unknowable. You know? So we all have all these business plans and business cases and project Gantt charts and you know, and, and strategy plans for five years. And then if you say to somebody, can you see the future? They go, well, no, of course not. Well, then what are all these artifacts? Because it certainly looks like you're claiming to see the future. And, and so just coming to terms with just that one idea really just it disturbed me. It still disturbs me to say all planning is waste. I'm kind of like, I'm not personally comfortable with that, but I can't fault the logic. You know? and, and so those sort of really chunky changes in thinking abandonment of, of sort of basic beliefs is is uh, is tricky for people i love you know I, I don't know a lot about um maori philosophy but i do love the idea that to my shame by the way i grew up in that generation where we didn't get any of that but um um i love that idea that the future is behind you and the past is ahead of you and the Maori worldview is that you can see the past clearly, but the future is at your back. And I think that that, you know, that's a complete inversion of sort of conventional Western thinking that you're looking at the future and moving forward and the past is behind you. But I think that is actually a much more realistic worldview to say that the future is coming at you unseen 
into the back of your head and, <laughs> and all you can see is what has gone before. And, um, you know, so that's a lovely example of the kind of inversion of thinking we have to do to, to cope with a world that is volatile, uncertain, highly complicated and, and ambiguous. To, you know, so um, we, the, we're, we're having all this sort of relativistic thinking that we don't actually know anything about the present, really, and we don't know anything about the future, that's really troubling for people. It's deeply troubling. Yeah, my favourite book is unfortunately named, perhaps like your one, it's called The um, the Virtues of Ignorance. It should have been called The Virtues of Humility, and it takes that. Oh, I don't yeah. know that one. It, it's, it's from a field camp by um, Vitek and Jackson, and it, it starts with the premise that at any given point in time, most of what people thought was true turned out not to be. Mm. why do we think we're so special that that's not how you know and so how do we then manage and live with that assumption without yes. turning into a quivering mess mm. Mm. yes and and so i have that quivering mess problem too and so i <laughs> i spent a lot of time thinking about well what do you do and not thinking researching i mean i i don't think i've invented any of this but just finding out what do thinkers think about this and realizing that you can see a short, it's like flying in a fog. You can see a short distance into the future. You can do some semblance of conventional planning for a certain period. And you can vision far, far out. You can have an idea of who you want to be and, and have your navigational stars that you align to. But it's the middle bit that's the problem and, and quite a significant period of years, the middle bit. And so I've been learning all about scenarios and options generating multiple scenarios for the future and understanding what the consequences of those are and what the potential options are therefore to respond to those so that as somebody put it to me beautifully you're you're building up a handful of cards that you can play you can choose to play so you've got this handful of options that you can play according to whatever emerges in the future so it's kind of like preparing for multiple futures and and that makes all of that makes sense to me. So and that's comforting because that gives people something they can get their teeth into then to think about the future even though they don't know it. Let's squeeze in the second of your music tracks. Let's have four non blondes. What's up? Why this one? Um, same thing. What's going on? Right? It's it's just <laughs> here we are, you know, actually that that's getting a bit dated now, that song too, isn't it? Is that 20 years old it's the discos of hong kong every time i hear that one so it must be early 90s um uh but yeah sort of the same evoc evocation of an idea even if again the of the subject's actually a bit, probably a bit closer this time but it's it's that same thing i 
get a bat, big, big hula of hope for a destination. I have to say, Rob, that my 11-year-old son absolutely loves that song. He rocks that song all the time. So it might be kind of dated because we remember it from when we were young, but the youngsters of today are still loving it. So that's a good thing. Rob, I've been thinking, I do quite a lot of work in education, um, working with young people who are sort of high school age, and I look at our education system and I despair. Mm. And I wonder, how do you think we can move the management of our education system so that it stops rejecting and pushing back so hard against the disruption that we need to, to bring about that transformation, that future thinking? What's the solution to solving that problem? <laughs> oh, thanks for that curveball. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, how hard can it be to solve the New Zealand education system, right? Um, I, I, I'll First, I'll add to the problem is we were talking about, I was talking to someone just recently about this whole thing that the, the flack that our government is getting for what is actually a global masterclass on adaptive government in a time of pandemic chaos. They're doing a non-perfect, but a, you know, a world-beating job of of being constantly adaptive and working in an agile, what small agile way through the chaos, which is the correct response to a chaotic situation. And and so the you know the frustration that, like I said, all these people, mostly business leaders, who don't get it um, and and want to see old school planning. Part of the problem is that, the, like I said, these ideas are not new, but they're not taught in school. You know, if you learn complexity theory in school, it's because you studied advanced mathematics. It's not because you studied social studies. You know, and and but we should be teaching these ideas at a at a really basic level to people so that everybody grasps the concept of VUCA. You know, that should be just something that everybody gets, and yet everybody's raised on this simple linear thinking. You know, there is a question and there is one answer and. And there is this way of doing it and you do it the way it's done and, you know, and everything is the simple linear thinking in terms of all the patterns they go through at school and to work. So that's part of the problem. And so that then cascades to being the fact that, um, you know, the people who design the, the, the syllabi don't get it. Uh, but I was, if you think postmodernism, Right. Everyone accuses the education system and teachers of being utterly postmodernist these days, which I think is probably true. But how long did that take to sink into the education system? Half a century? No, no, more than half a century for it to actually sink into the culture. Um, and and so I think the same will be true with understanding complexity. Will be unfortunately that we've probably got another generation or so to go before it becomes common thinking. So that's not an answer. That's not a solution to your problem. But then if I had a solution to your problem, I'd be the Minister of Education. <laughs> so, Rob, we've seen lots of changes in society over the, the last, I was going to say two years. It's not two years yet, year and a half. What do you think is going to stick? And perhaps more importantly, what do you hope will stick? Oh, so uh, obviously remote working start with, but not 100% remote, because I am very passionate about that physicality. We are animals. We do need to sniff each other, you know, and we have to share air. And and so not 100% remote, but I think a greater acceptance of remote working, absolutely. People aren't going to commuting every day if they have a choice or, or and when I say a choice, if they can fight for it. So, <laughs> um, you know, it, it's they're not going back in a hurry, right? And and so that's that's one thing. Um, and then we are getting a forced lesson in complexity. We are getting a compulsory lesson in chaos thinking. So I do hope that this will actually take us one step closer to, you know, that we are actually going through a step change in, in awareness about these things. And this is getting driven into society to to realise how you deal with VUCA and, and that, that you can't have simple plans, linear projections and any of that stuff and the, and the importance of adaptability. What lessons do you think we can take from the pandemic response for the, the bigger sorts of questions that we, that we face, the, the, the things we can't 
solved by staying at home and watching Netflix. And, and <laughs> things like climate change, biodiversity collapse, social inequity. Mm. Are the messages the in there for us? The fascism I'd toss in there as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, God, you, you're saving all the, you know, all the easy questions for the end. What can, what, what can we take away? Just that um, I hope that it's also driven an increased empathy you know that that we've had the we've had governments like ours have held the line and said i'm sorry but deaths matter more to us than than your profits or business convenience and you've had countries like the us where it's like how let a roll right and and so people can see the difference right they can see that covid has killed more americans in two years than aids did in 40 years you know that it's now, I think, the biggest death event in the history of the United States of America. And, and so, and, and you got the UK sort of somewhere midpoint of had a certain level of, of caring about their health services and, and the lives of the people, but also a big healthy dose of, of let it rip as well, and sort of ended up somewhere halfway in that pattern. And you know, the, I don't know about you, but I get deluged with messages saying, can we have your prime minister or can we yes. come and live in New Zealand? You know, we, we are asp an aspirational nation for the rest of the world at this current point in time, and we should bask in that and enjoy it while we can. But, um, you know, we, we're really set a benchmark. So I hope that, that empathy sticks. It's getting back to values over value. I take great satisfaction that freedmanism is on the ropes. You know, the whole idea that the purpose of an organ of a company is to make a profit. All the teachings of Milton Friedman are actually being vigorously rejected around the world, and, and values are being driven into corporations and into capitalism and into business again. And people are calling out the robber barons, and they're calling out the the boards and the companies, and they're wanting values, not just value. So again, it's you know, like I say, I do, I am optimistic that we move forward, and so I'm hoping what comes out of all this will be a higher social awareness, greater, you know, Black Lives Matter and 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 climate change activism and and um, you know all the forces that are respond reacting to to the negative things that are going on around the world. I think are are, are promising. I I take comfort from them that things have kicked on a bit uh, so I, I really have saved the easy questions to the end i've got six of them and not very much time so we shall have to rattle through them what's the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years pivoting to online zoom training uh or uh actually that, either that or seeing my wife progress from company intern to now the leading revenue earner and <laughs> and you know, my boss so yeah one of those two so we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you are in that team. What's your superpower? What's got you into the mansion? Oh, it's our superpower. Um, caring, empathy. We're very emotional, which is unusual for consultants. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? Yes. Why's that? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, on a mission of subversion. <laughs> so what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Well, we don't get out of bed in the mornings, but we're consultants. <laughs> we, work till, we work till midnight, so we have an excuse for not getting out of bed. But what gets me up and working is is I love this stuff. I I just love – we our motto is make work better. You know, you're making better lives for people. It, it is a motivator. So what's the biggest challenge or opportunity that you're looking forward to in the next year or two? A uh, positive opportunity is to get back to Vietnam. Absolutely. We'll be on one of the first non-quarantine planes. We really don't want to go through quarantine in Vietnam. But the moment we can get there, we'll get there. So that's the, the positive thing I'm looking forward to. Um, any big challenges coming up? Uh, I just think globally, nothing. I, I do think we're not in for a smooth ride just yet. So I think we're in for interesting times as the old curse goes. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Oh, that's about as open as they get. <laughs> yes, the last question. It's a free hit. Oh, 
um, uh, take the opportunity, never let it slip by. If we we are predisposed as humans to see the potential negatives as much bigger than the potential positives, and so trying to be an optimist and to seize every opportunity and not prevaricate about it absolutely would be my number one bit of advice. Thank you for that. Mawera. Rob, that was fascinating. Um, I I hope that we can get more voices like yours into our education system working with a much younger audience and, mm. and with those managers who are making decisions um, that really need to change their thinking because it's that future thinking that just seems to be missing right now. We need more people like you and I hope that you're generating more people like you in the work that you do. So thank you so much for your time. and Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's been a real pleasure. to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oak8r.org.nz. You can find 
us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is Molotov Jukebox. Don't panic. I'm Samuel Lannan's first page in Eden with Mawera Karatai in Fakatani, and we've been joined from Pororua by Rob England. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.